Hi, everybody. I'm Steve. I'm Ben. And I'm Tyler, also known as Mao Zedong's Dying Breath. And this is Wikipedia. Jeez. I don't even know how to spell Mao Zedong. I have to look that up. I don't know. Thanks a lot. But anyway, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, a couple of us like to get together, uh, have a few drinks, and uh, just kind of flip through Wikipedia to see if we can learn something new. So here's how it works. To start off, we all click random page on Wikipedia, uh, discuss those pages, and then from that page, we jump to another one from that page. So through the links in the, the article. From that page, we jump to that page, from that page. You shut your goddamn mouth, you <laughs> dirty whore. Wow. All right. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> what's everyone <laughs> drinking tonight? Uh, so earlier I had uh, finished up the Johnny Walker Black that I had left, the good old doctor's office, as my friend Zach calls it. Uh, and now I'm having some uh, Bushmills blended. I hadn't had Bushmills before. The smell is really pleasant. The taste is its all right. It's nothing really to write home about, but it's its, it's an easy whiskey. Cool. Um, I've got a Lagavulin 16-year uh, mm. single malt. I, I don't usually keep a lot of whiskeys on hand, but uh, this one was a wedding gift, and I've made it last, and it is, is very good. Yeah, that's a... If for somebody who doesn't keep a lot of whiskeys around, uh, Lagavulin 16 is a pretty good one to have laying around. It's very good. And uh, I picked up... Uh, so my girlfriend recently went to Japan, uh, fearlessly went to Japan, and brought me back a gift that I love her very much for. Please save me. Uh, it's, <laughs> it sounds like she has a gun to your head. <laughs> it is uh, the, the uh, Kuriyoshi uh, 12 year um honestly Yoshi. like i was i've had a couple japanese whiskeys before and i was always kind of like off put by them like there's just like weird flavors to that that you just don't get in you know your typical american whiskey but you know slipping through this one i gotta say like this is actually like pretty good like this awesome. is like really good awesome you'll have to uh share it with me next time i'm in town uh how about no Oh. <laughs> all right so uh everybody go ahead and hit random article and we'll see what comes up and hopefully we can find something good to talk about and oh my god i i got a yikes i have northwest airlines flight 255 oh oh god what's that um it made Wikipedia, so it's got to be good, right? <laughs> I will. It's got to be noteworthy. I'll read you the the last sentence of the introduction. It was the second deadliest aviation accident at the time in the United States. Okay. Oh. Anyway, so if we can go <laughs> somewhere else, that's probably going to be a better dime. Well, if you want to stop down at the Franklin County Courthouse in Ozark, Arkansas. <laughs> That's where my page will take us. <laughs> oh, fun. Swing on through Arkansas. All right. And uh, I went ahead and got uh, I got Henry Jackson, which is a businessman, uh, uh, an American investor and entrepreneur, chief executive of Op Capita LLP. Okay. Uh, so I will say my article is pretty lengthy. Okay. Wait a minute. 
Oh, uh, what was the what was the flight that you got again? Northwest Airlines Flight Two Fifty Five. Okay, never mind. I have this is referencing uh, another crash of an airline. So what? Interesting. Oh, uh, that would have been real real messed up if it was referencing the same article. Was Northwest an American company, or is it no longer in business because of this? Uh, I I don't know. We'd have to read, but I feel like mm. Northwest was probably. It was probably acquired by United. Basically, United acquired everybody. Or American, maybe. I don't know. All I know is I'd never heard of it. So Yeah. Uh, so, what are we going with? Do we want to go with the horrifying plane crash? <laughs> uh, the boring rural courthouse? Or no-name American entrepreneur who probably created that page just because he was going to speak at a conference or something? I will say, it says in it, uh, in under his career, that he's considered a, quote, Industry Maverick, end quote. Well, we all know Mavericks are great. So anyway, <laughs> uh... <laughs> so I guess we're going with a horrifying plane crash, right? <laughs> are we going with a horrifying plane crash? I could read the entirety of mine. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so it's not much of an article. It is not much of an article. All right. Yeah, mine is one, two, let's see. If I hit page down, one, two, three, four, five pages. That's a lot more lengthy than mine. All right. We're going to start right. off with the plane oh, wreck. Okay. <laughs> that's a, that, that's a good, that's a good uh, thumbnail that comes with that. It that is. Site, by the way. All right. So I'll read the introduction. Uh, Northwest Airlines Flight 255, a McDonnell McDouglas MD-82, crashed shortly after takeoff from Detroit Metropolitan Airport on August 16, 1987, at about 8.46 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time killing all six crew members and 148 of 149 passengers, along with two people on the ground. So this, Holy shit. So this plane had 157 Ooh. people on it, and it killed 158 people. Ooh. The sole survivor was a four-year-old girl who sustained serious injuries. It, is the second de- it was the second deadliest aviation accident at the time in the United States. Man, that four-year-old girl, man. Yeah. On the one hand, like, I'm kind of curious what that girl's doing now. On the other hand, I'm sure she does not want to think about this one bit. Uh, also, uh, for some reason, in that sentence, the the word or the phrase "sole survivor" sole survivor is a link. is is a link, and it's a list of sole survivors of airline airline accidents or incidents. Whoa. That that's is a, very specific. That's a horrifying list. I I Whoa. I hope it's at least somewhat long i i i don't know if i hope it's long or not (laughs) because if it's long if it's long that means there's a lot of plane crashes with sole survivors yeah but if it's short it means everyone died i guess so i don't know which is better i just wonder if that list sorry to speculate i wonder if that list was made by a bot or if there's some person out there who's obsessed with that as i've like as i've said on multiple all of those multiple episodes somewhere out there there is someone who's obsessed with every weird ass niche thing yeah so they're checking every single time one of these happens to be like one just one just one yes come on just one just give me one baby one baby hell yeah an eight-year-old boy survived he's going on the list and isn't that essentially what um the plot of Unbreakable is <laughs> <laughs> one dude that just can't die. 
He just he just really wants to find the sole survivor, and that's a, a whole movie M Night Shyamalan did about that. Uh-huh. I don't think I've ever seen that, but that doesn't sound like an M Night Shyamalan uh, movie plot. All right, so uh, the aircraft and crew. The aircraft involves is a twin engine McDonnell Douglas MD eighty two a derivative of the McDonnell Douglas DC-9 and part of the McDonnell Douglas MD-80 series of aircraft. The jet was manufactured in 1981, so it wasn't like it was some old rickety beat-up plane. It was six years old. Uh, At the time of the accident, the aircraft was painted in a hybrid livery between Northwest Airlines and Republic Airlines, featuring blue Republic striping with red Northwest titles and a wed tail, uh, because it was acquired by Northwest just the year before. I could I could see maintenance breaking down as a part of an airline merger. Sure. Uh, flight's captain was 57-year-old John R. Mouse from Las Vegas. He was an experienced pilot who had worked for the airline for 31 years. He had logged 20,859 flight hours during his career, including 1,359 hours on the MD-82. So again, he wasn't some rookie who didn't know what he was doing. Other pilots who'd flown with Mouse described him as a competent and capable pilot who had a reputation for operating by the book. That is definitely the pilot I want on all of my planes. Sure. Except for this one. <laughs> I almost wow. just sprayed whiskey all over the screen. <laughs> but but right, I mean, if you're going to pick from a list of pilots, chances are I'm going to pick this guy over probably anybody else who who's listed. I want to buy the books experienced guy maybe maybe i'd prefer someone a little younger but 57 is not old no. right he still definitely knows what he's doing and the first officer was 35 david l dodds from galena illinois had logged 8044 flight hours including 1604 hours on the md82 so he had even more experience on that plane so it sounds like airplanes are terrifying and yeah. uh yeah don't trust anything I'm just, like, kind of skimming through because there's no way I'm going to read the whole-ass report. Also, like, it's... The amount of detail that this article, like, goes through is kind of, like, disturbing. It's too much! Like, it goes into the entire transcript of the voice recording. How about this sentence here? At 2035 hours and 43 seconds, the ground controller instructed to use taxiway C and switch to frequency 119.45 megahertz to communicate with another controller. That that's, that that doesn't help. <laughs> like that doesn't. What does it have to do with anything? No, but uh, down further, they've time-stamped the sounds of all of the impacts that it made. <laughs> oh God! There are a total of no! seven impacts. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a skipping stone. Yes, it made plus one unknown sound in the middle of them. (laughs) Time not stated, unknown. Yeah, just, jeez. And if you, like, look at, like, the timestamps between these, like, it's like, first impact, 19.3 seconds, then 19.7, then 22.7. So, like, this thing was skipping along the ground. It got some air time. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, so between the first impact and the last impact, uh, about almost five seconds, a little over five seconds had passed. I, I love also, if you look up at the top, it has a key for the transcript. And pound sign is expletive deleted. Asterisk is unintelligible word at 2044 and 55 seconds. So literally. Oh, man. 
24 seconds before they hit the ground I'm is at it. expletive deleted laughter. Sound of laugh. <laughs> yeah, I just noticed that as you were saying it. And then 2045 15.7. Unknown. Ah, ah, sh- ah shit. <laughs> Probably ah shit. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so they have like the last, these guys' last words here on Wikipedia. Just ah shit. <laughs> I mean, if you were going to wreck a plane, ah shit is. That's a fair last word. I think it feels natural. I think it feels like what anyone would say in that situation. I mean, so we definitely know it wasn't the the first officer, because the first officer was a Midwest guy, and I guarantee you his last word would have been, Ope. Ope. <laughs> Ope. Just going to squeeze right by you. Just going to squeeze right by the ground there. So, moving on, uh, <laughs> there is a section regarding the passengers, um, and apparently one of the passengers was Nick Vanos, who was uh, an NBA center for the Phoenix Suns. Like an Ooh. active player at the time? I, I guess so. Seems that way. Well, here's why you wear your seatbelt. The sole survivor was wearing her seatbelt. Hovering over uh, that basketball player, Nick Vanos, and looking at uh, his like the little blurb it gives you, uh, he was drafted in 85, so he was probably an active player at the time. Oh, there's some... Oh, come on. Some of the more details in this... Like, moving on, like, they say, okay, crashed, and, you know, some people died. Uh, and <laughs> crashed, and, and some then, people died, whatever. But then it goes, the bodies were moved to the northwest hangar at the airport, which served as a temporary morgue. Why would you... Oh, jeez. Two motorists on nearby Middle Belt Road also died. Can you imagine being in that car and being like, what is that plane doing? Uh, oh, shit. That would suck. I mean, you know, where, where I live, we get planes flying over. You probably do, too. Um, you know, every time we, I see one overhead, I'm just like, you know, the thing with planes is they don't look like they should be up there. <laughs> Whenever you see them, they get, do what they're supposed to do. But uh, here we go down here. Long term aftermath. After the crash, Northwest followed standard procedure. The airline no longer uses 255 as a flight number until the company merged with Delta Airlines in early 2010. Delta continues the retirement of 255 by Northwest. As of 2019, there is no Delta Flight 255. That seems reasonable. Let's not talk about this anymore. Yeah, like, let's let's not do that again. Could you imagine somebody who's terrified of flying? The first plane they get on, somebody is like, oh yeah, Delta took Flight 255 out of retirement. They haven't used it since that horrible crash in Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, overhearing that is just going to send that person into a panic. Why tempt fate? I also find it interesting that Northwest was, like you said, merged with Delta in uh, early 2010. 2010, which means like I should have known about this <laughs> this yeah, uh, airline. This airline, me too. Like I should have known about it. Although I guess like I didn't fly a ton back then, and if I did, I probably wouldn't have thought too much about some smaller company no longer existing. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't take my first flight actually. I think until 2014. Really? Yeah. I took my first flight in 2006, I think. Well, the first flight I remember. I guess I flew out to the Grand Canyon with my parents when I was like two, but I don't remember that. Oh, God. See, also, there's two lists. List of accidents and incidents involving commercial aircrafts and list, again, list of sole survivors of airline incidents and accidents. I don't like the fact that the similar accidents list has six links. (laughs) That's, That's too many. I don't like it. And uh, it says here that there was a documentary 
called Soul Survivor, and the Soul Survivor of this flight was featured as one of the four people in that documentary. And that she had not spoken publicly about the crash until then. Yeah. Uh, so the conclusions for the National Transportation Safety Board was that they didn't go through their pre-flight check- checklist entirely correctly, and they missed the fact that uh, some of the flaps and slats were not set properly. They weren't extended for takeoff. And the airplane takeoff warning system didn't have electricity for some reason, so it didn't warn the crew that the plane wasn't configured to take off. Oh. So they didn't check anything. They didn't check everything they should have checked, and the plane should have warned them that there was a problem, but a problem made it so it couldn't warn them about the problem. (laughs) Yeah. That sucks. So where to next, guys? Uh, Off this page. Holy shit. Um... I definitely don't want to go to a list of sole survivors. I definitely don't want to go to pilot error. You want to talk about the Phoenix Suns? That might be the happiest link we can make. Or do you want to talk about pilot error? Except if we go to the Phoenix Suns, it's going to mention this guy who died. Well, we already covered that. Yeah, we already know, I guess. Uh, you want to talk about Las Vegas? We could talk about Vegas. I don't think we've really done like a city or state page in a couple episodes. Do you want to read about Vegas? I've never been. All right, let's go to Vegas. Ben, you can read the the, stu- the intro stub. Well, I've already learned something. I'm, I'm studying Spanish, and I had no idea that Las Vegas was Spanish for the Meadows. Oh, I that seems like that. an inappropriate name for Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a Greenland thing. Yeah, I maybe. Guess. Like, uh, yeah, it's full of grass, you stupid tourist. Yeah, so what can we say about Vegas, uh, that Wikipedia, well, what's Wikipedia going to tell us about it? Uh, it is the 28th most populated city in the United States, the most populated city in the state of Nevada, and the county seat of Clark County. It's the largest city within the greater Mojave Desert. Uh, oh, I didn't know this. It's an internationally rena- renowned major uh, res- resort city. What is so, that? What's a resort? Uh, no, resort. Resort. Uh, I'm so sorry. I think resort. If, you, if, you, if your laundry got out of order, you take it to the meadows, and they, you know, they get it back in order for you. Oh no! Wait, wait. Immediately after the comma, known primarily for gambling, shopping, fine dining, entertainment, oh, and okay, nightlife. Okay. There it is. I think I've heard of this place. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 maybe. Like, I, I guess maybe I've heard about it in resort in like relation to uh, food, but that might be it. I don't know how long we can keep this up. <laughs> it in fact it, it in fact bills itself as the entertainment capital of the world. Yeah, that's that's a stretch, but <laughs> Well, that's what it bills itself as. It can bill itself as whatever the hell it wants. Hey, it has more triple A five diamond hotels than any other city in the world. That's you, a fact. You can't see the jerk off motion I'm making. <laughs> I can I can hear it though. <laughs> The city's tolerance for numerous forms of adult entertainment earned it the title of Sin City. Yeah, okay, I get it. That really didn't need numerous, to be spelled out. Numerous forms of adult entertainment. I want to explore what that actually entails. I don't. Not on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> actually, there's no link there, so whatever. Thank God. <laughs> the last thing I need on this fucking thing is to have to click adult entertainment. Um, well, let's, let's kind of learn about its start, um, I guess. It was settled in 1905. 
really that in 1911. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my guess is, and I'm talking out of my ass, but I think probably a lot of that area was passed over for San Francisco Gold Rush, and then maybe people kind of went back to that area. Yeah, maybe some know? people stopped or came or like stopped on the way out or stopped on the way back. Yeah, that that'd be my guess. Um, but again, I know nothing of this. Um, I mean, like, it, it's also pretty tough to populate somewhere that's, like, literally in the middle of the desert. Well, it's called the Meadows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I guess prior to, like, the 1900s, there may not, like, the technology to really make it really livable might not have existed. Yeah, it does say here that uh, it did have abundant wild grasses and desert spring waters. So oh it was a good it was a good uh, pit stop for travelers, a good settlement area. Well, get fucked me then, I guess. Yeah, get fucked you. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, so in 1855, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints chose it as the site to build a fort uh, halfway between Salt Lake City and Los Angeles. Ah. So you got the old Mormon fort. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, right in Sin City. <laughs> I don't think it's right in Sin City. Maybe it is. What a change! Like if you would have if you would have told those Mormons then, like guess what? This is going to be the center of sin for the country in 150 years, and it's your fault for making it livable. Right. I mean, they don't even you know they they wear those special underwear and everything. So magic underwear, sir. Magic underwear. They wear the magic underwear, and although some people might say there's magic underwear in Las Vegas now, <laughs> yeah, they would. Very magical. Uh, uh, the remainder of the old Mormon fort can be seen at the intersection of Las Vegas Boulevard and Washington Avenue. 1931 was a pivotal year for Las Vegas. At that time, Nevada legalized casino gambling and reduced residency requirements for divorce to six weeks. <laughs> Oh, I see. <laughs> what a sentence. Just really setting its its a mark on the in the world. You can gamble and also divorce your wife. Can you imagine living in that kind of society now where you're like, I really want to get divorced. Where can we move that has the shortest amount of time we have to tolerate <laughs> each other? Vegas, hell oh, yeah. Las Vegas, six weeks. All right. We'll, See you in six weeks. We'll rent We'll rent a hotel room for like seven weeks. It'll be a great time. We won't talk to each other. Uh, there's a little blip here in the, in the history. The iconic Welcome to Las Vegas sign, which has never been located within municipal limits, <laughs> <laughs> was created in 1959. Welcome to Las Vegas. You are still not in it's, Vegas yet. It's nearby. <laughs> nearby there's also too i don't want to pass up the nuclear weapons testing oh yeah uh, Ooh. 65 miles away uh so it was nicknamed atomic city what uh, at that time and uh residents and visitors were able to witness the mushroom clouds and no! were exposed to the fallout <laughs> no oh, fun <laughs> so yeah this is a straight out of no wonder new vegas made such a great setting for fallout yeah definitely like can you imagine that type of shit now? Just like you're sitting at work and shit blows up and you're like, oh, yeah, they're just doing the massive dangerous explosive testing down the street. It's fine. Just another <laughs> weapon of mass destruction test. No big deal. I mean, this was probably a selling point at the time, right? You're like, yeah, guys, you can you can see the mushroom clouds in the afternoon. <laughs> like, the, uh, hell the, yeah. 
The daily 3 p.m. mushroom cloud. <laughs> right. Everyone's just gathering at the windows. Like, the kids are, sta- like, standing on tiptoes trying to peek out. <laughs> that's where you take your coffee break. And, you yeah. know, like, sexually harass your secretary. Yeah, was the, that's the time. Yeah, that was the, the 50s and 60s. Uh, Atomic City. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> um, looking down more at the climate. Um, so, as we mentioned, it's a subtropical hot desert climate. Um, sure. So there's an abundance of sunshine throughout the year with an average of 310 sunny days and bright sunshine during 86% of all daylight hours. Jeez. Welcome to the desert. Rainfall is scarce with an average of 4.2 inches dispersed between roughly 26 to 27 total rainy days per year. How do how do people want to live in goddamn Las Vegas and deal with that bullshit? Do do people just like not like seasons? No, they go there because they don't want to deal with seasons. They want like a short ass winter which isn't even that cold. Like if you look down at the climate table, the record cold all time in Vegas was 8 in January. But, like, the average high, even during December and January, is 56 to 58. Hmm. It's a different lifestyle. A hot lifestyle. Very hot. Very hot lifestyle. That explains why the strippers need to take all their clothes off. It's just too hot. It's just too hot. <laughs> just <laughs> too hot for panties. It's like, they call it Sin City, but it's really just like, god damn, it's too goddamn hot. It's too goddamn hot to be dressed. <laughs> Well, and don't they have like really good ventilation in their casinos, right? Like, they're I've heard fucking you can better. Smoke, you can smoke, and like it never smells like smoke inside. They better. But no one's going just, outside. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like that's just put it. That's got to be putting it all outside, right? So like it's probably even worse outside than it would be. I don't think it's making that much of an impact, <laughs> but probably not. The highest temperature ever measured within the city of Las Vegas was 118 on July 26th, 1931. Oop, oh. What the fuck? They still occasionally get snow? That's wild. How? Where? How do they? So they not only do they happen to get cold enough for snow, but then they also happen to get it onto like one of those 30 days in the goddamn year. Even the wettest month, February, averages only four days of measurable rain. The most recent accumulations of snow occurred on February 18th, 2019, when the parts of the city received about one or two inches. That's chaos. Unofficially, Las Vegas' largest snowfall on record was 12 inches in 1909. Whoa. Whoa. Can you imagine how fucking out of their minds anyone in Vegas must have been? Like, sure, it's 1909 and whatever. But if that happened, like, this winter, if they got a foot of snow... I can't imagine it would last very long, though. It probably wouldn't last very long, but that would be a really hellish day and a half for them. Yeah, during that time, absolutely. Everything shut down. Everything, yeah. So, right around where that climate data was, uh, on the right, there's actually... I know we mentioned this earlier, but there's actually a picture of the mushroom cloud that is viewable from Las Vegas, and, like... Sorry, I wanted to get back to this because, like, it's just so ridiculous. Like, it's a picture of the mushroom cloud, and it's like, it isn't even like, oh, it's like way out in the distance. Like, no, it's well in view. It looks like oh, if yeah. you're driving past a factory that's like a mile and a half off the highway. <laughs> like, that's how 
clear that is, and that's not good. <laughs> it's a very clear, it's a very clear photo, and I love this caption. Scenes such as this were typical during the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> the government conducted 100 atmospheric tests. God, so that's like 10 a year. So about once a month, like yeah. not quite once a month. Just like checking the watch, like oh, it's noon on the oh, you know, it's second it's... Tuesday of the month. Everybody get your everybody get your beers. We're gonna go watch the fucking explosion that'll <laughs> kill us. <laughs> different times. Uh, very, very different. All right. Um... Uh, demographics. Much like the rest of the country, getting more diverse and less white. For the demographics, it's just under forty-eight percent non-Hispanic white. So Las Vegas is a very diverse uh, location to be. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that most Vegas, uh, most people living in Vegas aren't from Vegas, that a lot of people move there. Well, it makes sense. I think if you're there, you've probably had enough by the time you're... (laughs) By the time you can choose where to live, you are going to choose anywhere but fucking Las Vegas. Yeah, that's my guess. Las Vegas has the second lowest level of black-white segregation any of the 100 largest metropolitan areas in the United States after Tucson, Arizona. That's that's crazy. And also, too, like as, as a state, Nevada is very conservative. That's really interesting, too. Yeah, but Vegas itself, I assume, is, is not. But, uh, yeah, so it's just, as all, as all, like, pretty much all big cities are, you know, very liberal-leaning. But, yeah, especially sounds like with this, with, you know, not being very segregated. Yeah. Maybe I I, just, I don't know why I associate that. Well, let's see. Looking at age of population, it looks like it's pretty evenly distributed. It's like not super old, but about twenty six percent under eighteen, nine percent from eighteen to twenty four, thirty two percent to twenty five to forty four, and then it tapers off from there. So it looks like no one goes to college in Nevada. Why the fuck would they? <laughs> yeah, why the fuck would you go to college in Vegas? when you can just win it big Cha-ching. for every 100 females there were 103.3 males no nope, not interested <laughs> bad bad skew uh skipping uh, down lower under other industries uh interesting uh planet 13 holdings a cannabis company have opened the world's largest cannabis dispensary in las vegas at 112,000 square feet. Holy shit. How do you need that much? I mean, you know How what? do you Never mind. not need that much weed? Dude. Dude. Big dispensary. Dude, we, we, gotta, we gotta go to Vegas. <laughs> how, many, how many miles is that? To get to Vegas? No. Or in terms of square feet? <laughs> no. About a half of a percent of a square mile. So I think I know where the next link we're going to be going with is Planet 13 Holdings. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's clearly going to be, what's another dumb link that I can see right here? The Mob Museum. Or we could do University of Nevada, Las Vegas. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Oh yeah, Uh, something that is uh, very important to Tyler and me. The Las Vegas Valley is home to of two major professional sports teams, the Vegas Golden Knights of the National Hockey League, and then the Oakland Raiders will start playing there next year. Uh, so, speaking of sports teams, there's a there's an interesting one here of uh, 
under minor professional teams, there's the Sin City Trojans, which is a women's football team. What? Women's there's football? A, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> they play at a high school? Yes, they play at Desert Plains High School. <laughs> what? This this whole line is like really causing some issues for me. Let's. I mean, WFA women's football. It's a. Is also a it's league. a full contact women's American football league that began play in two thousand nine. I've okay. All right. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Good for them. You know what? Yeah. I'm I'm glad to see that you know they're 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 branching out there. Yeah, that's that's just like really strange. The only travesty here is that there's no link to Sin City Trojans. That is upsetting. Yeah, there is a link to the women's football. Oh alliance. man, now there's now there's two good links that we can go with. Crap. Yeah. I also want to point out that the amateur ice hockey team Las Vegas Thunderbirds play at Sobe Ice Arena. Sobe? Which I forgot about that shit. Yeah, I, I like that Sobe is doing well enough to have an ice arena. In that area, like, I mean, they they just bought like the the naming rights for promotional purposes, but I forgot all about Sobe. Dude, they're still making them. They don't. I know. They don't, I don't. I don't think they have the glass bottles anymore, but I know that they're still out there. God, I remember that was like super popular for a year or so back in like two thousand four. But I mean, I I remember Sobe's even going back a little bit further, and I was young enough drinking them to like feel like. Because they were branded as, like, power, you know? Like, actually feeling like, oh, yeah, this is actually giving me that power. Or whatever, <laughs> you know, was labeled on the, on the glass bottle. Like, I was I was finding them at the local IGA at a pretty young age and just being like, I gotta try out Vitality and see how much Vitality it gives me. Does it up my maximum hit points? <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, it did, uh, which is the funny thing. <laughs> In the way that only you, it can when you're a child, you know, like, it, it it seems like it does. Just convincing yourself you are somehow more powerful for having, having drank this. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm running faster than I ever ran. <laughs> I'm hitting the baseball way harder than I ever hit it before. Sobe's amazing. So much vitality. So much vitality. So much power. So much dragon. I still actually have a bottle of Sobe, uh, the glass bottle that I used for storing my change. And, like, dude, that thing is freaking indestructible. Like, They were heavy-ass bottles. Yeah, like, they weren't just, like, a glass bottle, though. They were, they had some thickness to them. I'll show you something with thickness to it. They were, they were dirty thick. Sobe, dirty thick. (laughs) (laughs) They actually kind of were dirty thick, though, if you think about it. Like, that's really what set them apart from a lot of beverages. They had a thickness to them. They're hefty. I think a lot of them had, like, milk solids or, or something like that in there. There were some that were, like, okay, refrigeration required. Yeah. At that time, especially, like, that would have been extremely different than everything else, which was basically, like, do you want coffee? No. Do you want a Pepsi? No. Well, shut up. <laughs> Go away. This was before kombucha. Yeah. <laughs> What a better time that was. We have several links that we can go to for here. We have a lot we can go to. A lot of really interesting ones. Like Yeah, this is actually I hard. see one for if we want something uplifting, um Indian reservation. Uh, uh, come on, we already started with a plane crash. <laughs> can we please not get into genocide and racial oppression? Um I just said Indian reservation. I didn't say anything about those. So how about women's football alliance? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm I'm kind of interested in women's football. I'm very curious about women's because that's not a thing I would ever read about otherwise. So let's do it. Let's look at the women's football alliance. The WFA. Let's go. There's two other leagues: the Independent Women's Football League, Independent Women Who Don't Need No Male Football League, and the United States Women's Football League. So the WFA uh, actually has 62 teams. 62 teams. That's so many teams. Is... I just want to. I just want to go through the list of the of the team names because these are just going to be ridiculous. And they all play at high schools and shit. Not all of them, but a lot of them. I mean, we're off to a really good start with the first. Yeah. One. Oh my Tyler, god, Tyler, go ahead, Tyler. I want to hear you try to say that. Go ahead. Uh, the Acadiana Zydeco uh, nailed it. Probably close enough. They play in Lafayette, it's... Louisiana, at Turlings Catholic High School. Oh god. <laughs> Please don't do that ever again. <laughs> I'm going to do it every time. The Austin Outlaws play at the Texas School for the Deaf. Oh, very nice. The what? Very funny. The Cali War. Wow. Oh, my God. And they play Cali in L.A. War. at Miracosta High School. <laughs> the Comal, I'm sorry. I can't help myself on these. The Comal County Camo. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and you've also got the Houston Energy and the Houston Power. Those are the two... Least innovative names possible. No, those are both Sobe drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so no, the, the Houston Power is Division Three, and the Energy is their Division Two team. Oh yeah, so, the, so one's probably a feeder team, yeah. right? You, you start, you start the Power. You go they got their A team and their B team. Las Cruces La Muerta in La Cruces, New Mexico. They play at Field of Dreams. Mile High Blaze. Oh my nice. god! Yes. <laughs> this Holy is, they don't care shit. at all. They give zero fucks. <laughs> the Mile High it. Blaze in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> they play in a middle school! <laughs> what is this page? This is everything I hoped it would be. I'm so glad we picked this. And here's another one I like, the Phoenix Phantoms, but it's Phantoms with a Z. Oh my god. They play at Moon Valley High School in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, There's also the Tacoma Trauma. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) That was just the Western Conference. (laughs) Oh, look at that. Cleveland Fusion and Maple Heights. All right. There you go. As well as the Columbus Comets. Gross city. I like the Cincinnati, I like the Cincinnati sizzle. That's, that's <laughs> like we're not too we're not too hot. Can, but can you imagine little. trying to say that with a lisp? Oh no, capital city savages! I don't think you can say that. That's yeah. That's that's a questionable. The Music City Misfits. Misfits has a Z in it instead of an S, but only the first Miz. one. Only, only the, the first Misfits. one. Misfits in Nashville. Another Philadelphia Phantoms, phantoms with, with a, a Z. Z. How can you have two Phantoms with Zs? Seems illegal. Richmond Black Widows in Richmond, Virginia. They sound tough. Oh, and Toledo has a team. Toledo Rain. R-E-I-G-N. Man, Ohio's really, really cashing in on their women's football alliance. Yeah, we got like yeah. four teams. Some, uh... Some expansion teams. Several expansion yeah. teams, including one in goddamn Quebec. What? Mon- the Montreal Blitz. <laughs> Indy, I like the Indy Crash. <laughs> <laughs> that I was a taking good a sip of whiskey. Fuck. They, that, they have a sense of that, humor, and I like that. That takes a second to register <laughs> in your head. 
Man, these are some high-scoring games. Like in the championship list, 2013, the Chicago Force defeated the Dallas Diamonds. Holy shit! 81 to 34. They fucking killed them. That's a lot of safeties. (laughs) Dude, I want to go watch these games now. Uh, you know what? The 2013 actually has... Oh, it's just a link to that whole season. Okay, I was really hoping it was just a link to, like, the results of that, like, playoff game. Uh, well, I mean, you got Grove City near you at Ohio Christian School. Maple Heights is... Maple Heights is... A couple exits away from me. I've been told not to go there. (laughs) I don't know much about it. It sounds like we're going to have to check them out at some point. We're going to have to, like, sneak in some, uh, some whiskey in a flask. You go watch women's football. I don't think I don't think you. Have you to yeah, you don't need to sneak it into the du- the WFA. Do they hand you the flask as you walk in the gate? Like, do I need to give you tickets? You, no, we pay you for being here. Here's your whiskey. Yeah, you earned this one, so. buddy. That's Maple Heights High School, the Cleveland Fusion, um, and I really hope that when they establish, they take on the Indy Crash. Oh man, that was very entertaining. That was great. Where are we gonna go from here? I don't want to go back to a city page necessarily, but we might have to, or we might have to pick a specific team to go to. Oh, uh, I'm a- before we continue, in 2012, the WFA opened with the season with 60 teams, and the national championship took place at Heinz Field, like an NFL NFL football That's field. not too bad. It was the first women's go. football championship game to be played in an NFL stadium. Look at that. I mean, if we went to the Acadiana Zydeco, we could learn what a Zydeco is, maybe. Uh, Is there even a link to that? uh, Yeah, it's earlier. It's under the 2016. Yeah, let's go check out the Acadiana Zydeco, just because that's the most obnoxious name possible. Alrighty. It's a very short article. It's an extremely short short article. article, But that means we can move on quickly. Well, they do have Zydeco as a link. Ah, they are named after the Zydeco, a local Creole dance in Acadiana. Okay, so basically Acadiana is the Lafayette metro area in Louisiana. Okay, Okay. so now we know where it is and now we know what it is. Look at that logo. That is a nice logo. That, That took 20 minutes to make in Photoshop, especially like looking at that font. Damn girl. Not a difficult logo to make, but I like it. Uh, it's, you know, you've got the dance incorporated over the football logo. Uh, the, the mascot? The mascot is Lady Z. Excuse Just, me? Oh, that sounds Lady nice. Z. Ooh, that's probably that's, that's probably the logo. Is that's Lady Z right that there? That must be Lady Z, yeah. So, what do we want to look at here? We can look at Zydeco or Creole in general. Oh boy. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of looking up Creole. Creole. Let's go to Creole. Hungry. That's fine. There's That's a lot true. of non-food related things with Creole, but <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Louisiana Creole people are persons descended from the inhabitants of colonial Louisiana during the period of both French and Spanish rule. The term Creole was originally used by the French settlers to the, to distinguish persons born in Louisiana from those born in the mother country or elsewhere. Yeah, and Creole is now just a generic term to mean, like, mixed racial or uh, heritage origins. Hmm. Like, because I remember reading at some point recently about, like, Chilean Creole, because it's the same thing. It's, like, native-born Chileans, but they have some other countries' influence so heavy in their area 
that they they developed their own weird twist on it. So later immigrants to to New Orleans, such as Irish, Germans, and Italians, also married into the Creole groups. There also was a sizable German Creole group of full German descent centering in the parishes of St. Charles and St. John the Baptist. So, yeah. So there is, you know, some very uh, Germanic history to the Creole people. I like on the right, it says total population, indeterminable. Uh. <laughs> Religion, predominantly Roman Catholic, Protestant, some practice voodoo. <laughs> That's a big jump. From Roman Catholic to voodoo. I mean, are they that different, though? Big wow. wow, got him. <laughs> I'm not touching that at all. <laughs> anyway. Oh, hey, there's something here about Acadia, which is probably related kind of distantly to Acadiana. Although Cajuns are often represented today as a distinct, as a group distinct from the Creoles, many historical accounts exist wherein persons with Acadian surnames either self-identify or identified by others as being Creole. And sources from the 19th century may make specific references to Acadian Creoles. So I guess that's just like a thing. Although it'd be nice if it really uh, explained what it means by Acadian, because I'm too drunk to figure that out contextually now. Nice, dude. Nice. Listen, I'm on like my fifth or sixth glass of whiskey. It's going to be a rough night. Damn, girl. There is a section called Casket Girls. What? Um, that's it's early not as exciting on. as it sounds. It's not as exciting as it sounds, but um, so temporary semi-slaves, so indentured servants. Yes, uh, to increase the population of the colony, uh, the government recruited young French women, and the translation of their name was casket girls because they would bring a casket or case of belongings with them. And the the king financed dowries for each girl, so the king paid for it. Like. At the time, it looks like it's saying Louis the Fourteenth was l- like literally blowing money to be like, "Yo, just send the girls over so that people stay there." That is weird, and it's, it's apparently eight hundred women, approximately. Fidura, daughters of the king. Yeah, so I guess just to bring their influence to North America. I guess that makes sense because, like it said earlier in the article, there was like a lot of French and Spanish influence in the area at the time. Plus. This was, like, shortly before uh, the British really started settling the area. So Yeah. yeah. So he just, like, gave him fuck you money. He literally <laughs> gave him fuck you money. <laughs> gave him fuck you money. And it was like, you don't, I, it's like, you don't like it here? Uh, all right. Good. We don't want you here. <laughs> here's, here's, here's some gold. Here's, here's some like gold. More? <laughs> yeah, here's some gold. Uh, go do your thing elsewhere. As I mentioned, uh, it was originally kind of uh, colonized by the French, but uh, the French colony was ceded to Spain in the secret Treaty of Fontainebleau. Bleu? Bleu? I don't know. Of Fontainebleau. Whatever. In the final stages of the Seven Years' War, which took place on two continents. The Spanish were slow and reluctant to occupy the colony. <laughs> They're like, we don't even really want it. We don't really want the colony. The French are like, please, please take New Orleans. And the Spanish are like, why? Can't you, like, give us a boat? (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather have a boat. We we got our own things going on. Interesting. Nearly all of the surviving 18th century architecture of the Vieux the French Quarter, dates from the Spanish period. But those buildings were designed by French architects, as there were no Spanish architects in Louisiana. 
I've never been to this area. Have either of you? No, my friend Zach absolutely loves uh, New Orleans. Him and his wife uh, owned a house there for a little while. And I've, I've heard it's great. I've heard since Katrina it's been less great. Understandably so. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, it was wrecked. But I have... I would like to go sometimes. So I was uh, in New Orleans for a friend's wedding. And uh, let me tell you, coming from the corn-fed Midwest area down to New Orleans, <laughs> it was a shock. Like, Did you guys hold your own parade? Yes, we did, actually. Hell yeah! <laughs> Do you know about this, Ben? No, please tell me. Anyone, and I learned about this thanks to Hannibal Burris, anyone can go to New Orleans go into the police station and decide they want to hold a parade and the police will help you plan a parade route and close down streets for it. Huh. So, and so you guys actually did this. Yeah, we went out and like, it was like we came out of the church and we just started, immediately just started watching our marching out into the streets, like blocked all traffic. We're just sitting there, like just a bunch of us just like, waving napkins around and shit and just like everyone's like looking at us like what the fuck is going on here and it's like welcome to new orleans bitch <laughs> bunch of white people from ohio pretty much yeah it was like it was kind of bizarre like when i first went there like i didn't know about like how deep the culture really went but like i got into the hotel and i was like okay i'm gonna stop at the hotel bar and then you know i sat down and i get it i get it yeah i get a drink and they're like do you want this for here to go and i was like excuse me <laughs> did what what is what does that mean like and i was like for here and he's like okay so he pours me a drink and then sure enough the next person that comes in just walks in and goes hey can i get you know this beer and they're like, can I get it to go? And they're like, yep. And they pour it in a plastic cup, and the guy just walks right out the door. And I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? That's right, that's right. It's like one of four places, uh, I think, in the U.S. where it's legal to drink outside. Yeah, there's... In public? Like, as, as like a general citywide thing. There's certain cities that have small areas where you can do it. I don't remember if Columbus, Ohio, ever got theirs situated. I think Cleveland on, like, I think it's, like, East 4th Street, like, that small little section you're allowed to just walk around that, like, half a block, but that's meaningless. Sure. It's, you know, it's not really a street there, but yeah. The only thing you're going to do is walk to another bar, so. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about New Orleans, too, is, like, there are restrictions of, like, you know, obviously you can't just, like, walk around with, like, glass bottles and shit. Like, it has to be plastic. Plastic. So. And also, please throw it in the trash. Yeah. However, I mean, it is New Orleans, where basically every night is fucking, you know, Mardi Gras. And then Mardi Gras is a shit show. Pretty much, yeah, dude. Like, I was there, and it was like, I went out just to, like, go check it out, like, on a Tuesday night. And, like, sure enough, there were, like, girls up on the balconies just flashing their tits. Just, like, <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? You're like, like what? What's, it's a work what night. Is it? Go to go to bed. I mean, I appreciate what you're doing, but also like, <laughs> but also go to go bed. To bed. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of a tangent there, but uh, I'm looking through the second French period. Spain ceded Louisiana back to France in 1800 <laughs> through the Third Treaty of San Indefenso. Napoleon sold Louisiana, New France, to the United States in the Louisiana Purchase of 1803, following the defeat of his forces. God, that could you imagine how weird? things would be now if that hadn't happened if like that if like basically the southeast of the u.s was just new france that would be weird 
they are not close. They are not close at all. <laughs> That's probably why they wanted to sell it. They're like, uh, we can't connect that shit. It's like, it's too fucking far away. Just get that shit out of here. Just, just get rid of it. <laughs> they flipped a coin. We gotta sell one. <laughs> I don't think they wanted to sell the original France. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the new Coke. Like, you can't get rid of the old one. <laughs> sure. Can we just sell France? Oh, no, that's interesting. So you're saying they already have France, and then maybe they're like, we can only do two. Why don't we just keep Louisiana and Quebec? <laughs> get rid of old France. Get rid of France. <laughs> We're just going to keep Quebec and Louisiana, and y'all can figure out what's going on in Europe. Fuck that. <laughs> I don't think they're likely to say y'all being French, but... No. Uh, the transfer of the French colony to the United States and the arrival of Anglo-Americans from New England and the South resulted in a cultural confrontation. That's a nice way to put it. Race war. Some Americans were reportedly shocked by aspects of the culture and French-speaking society of the newly acquired territory, the predominance of the French language and Roman Catholicism, the free class of mixed-race people, and the strong African traditions of enslaved people. They pressured the United States' first governor of the Louisiana Territory to change it. So they acquired this territory, went there, and went, Excuse me, what are you doing down here? And they're like, we're just hanging out, living, having a good time, speaking French. And they went, that's disgusting. Governor, enslave these people. Now, see, that really conflicts with what I've heard, is that America is just a really big, happy melting pot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Are you telling me my public school education was maybe twisting some things? I don't want to alarm you. <laughs> uh, so it looks like eventually that like the pressure to make things more Americanized in Louisiana had serious like blowback, and they they eventually restored French as the official language in Louisiana, or at least in New Orleans. I like that move. That is a good move. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's a good move, but it is a move. It is a great move. It is a big fuck you. The French have an incredible, proud spirit, and I love it. In all forms of government, public forums, and in the Catholic Church, French continue to be used. More, most importantly, Louisiana French and Louisiana Creole remain the languages of the majority of the population of the state, leaving English and Spanish as majority languages. God, we're like, wah, wah. We're like a third of the way through this article. Holy shit. It is a long article. Basically, the rest of it just kind of goes into the d- different... Think uh, about the Creole people, like... Different types of Creole. Yeah, r- racially... Geographic. There are so many names. Oh, my God. In uh, the, the Cane River. Rough. The Cane River Creoles. Oh. It just, like... It just freaking rattles off just all of these surnames. Well, that's That seems unnecessary. That seems extremely unnecessary, actually. There are several of these names which are dangerously close to LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking under music, so Zadeco, which is one of the reasons we came here. A translation in English of Zadeco, Snap Beans, from the song Le Arico Son Pasal, which I think is the unsalted beans? <laughs> I, you heard I, need them. To, I need to check that, because that yeah, that's it. The beans without salt. <laughs> what? Why is that? 
Okay, I'll just accept it. It makes a lot of sense if you just think about it for a second, though. If, like, if I th- it, you just imagine, think about it for a second, of someone who's really stylish in a jazz blues scene, who's just like in a bar, like, you know, even the bees with us, so... And then this really hot jazz music just springs to life. Yeah. This is the no beans without salt. <sighs> Maybe a little salt. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little salt. Uh, That's an, an, has inst- to be it. an instrument unique to Zydeco is a form of washboard called the frotule. Fro- 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 I don't know. Scrub board. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vest. A vest made of corrugated aluminum played with the played by a musician working bottle openers bottle caps or spoons up and down the length of the vest. Oh, I've seen pictures of that. Now I know what the fuck that is. Ta-da! It's Zydeco. I like that Zydeco often incorporates a blend of swamp pop, which what? (laughs) Yo, nice. Blues and or jazz as well as, quotes, Cajun music. Oh, that sounds so sultry. Sounds kind of racist. It... (laughs) Cajun music in quotes does sound racist. It sounds like something you'd see like a 70-year-old man walking around the mall angry about it. Like, hear that store down there playing that? Looks around suspiciously. Cajun music. And you're like, thanks, sir. Have a nice day. I can't have this conversation with you. It's just the beans without salt, guys. (laughs) Come on. Come on, guys. Zedeco can be traced to the music of enslaved African people from the 19th century. It is represented in Slave Songs of the United States, which is a link, first published in 1867. Slave Songs. Slave Songs of the United States. That sounds uplifting. Yeah. Uh, Language. That's what I'm interested in. Uh, Louisiana French is the regional variety of the French language spoken throughout contemporary Louisiana by individuals who identify ethno-racially as Creole, Cajun, or French, as well as some who identify as Spanish. Uh, I mean, they're they're bilingual. <laughs> I don't know. Tulane University's Department of French and Italian website prominently declares in Louisiana, French is not a foreign language. Wait a minute. French and Italian? Uh, that's the weird part. The Department of French and Italian. <laughs> so, like, is... So, wait, is it, is like... Is it saying the Department uh, of French and the Department of Italian? Or there's one department that handles both? Because I don't trust that. I don't understand either of those. <laughs> I do like it says, uh, figures from the U.S. decentennial censuses report that about a quarter million Louisianans claimed to use or speak French at their home. I didn't think that there would be that much. I mean, I knew it was very prominent, but... A quarter million? And I mean, they're they're not saying necessarily it's their prominent language spoken at home, but enough that they thought about it. Louisiana Creole is a French Creole language spoken by... (laughs) Sorry, I thought there was a sentence after... Or a period after that, but... (laughs) No, that would be a good useless sentence. Louisiana Creole is a French Creole. Fuck you too, Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, the language spoken by Louisiana Creole people and sometimes Cajuns and Anglo residents of the state of Louisiana. The language consists of elements of French, Spanish, African, and Native American roots. I like that English isn't even included there. They're like, no, fuck you. The rest of us, we're ganging up on you. As late as 1902, one-fourth of the population of the city spoke French in ordinary daily intercourse, 
while another two-fourths were able to understand the language perfectly, which means at some point, walking around Louisiana, if you were speaking French, the majority of people understood you perfectly. Well, it says they're only only using it during sex. <laughs> Did it actually say that somewhere? And I just missed no, it. No, it's <laughs> that they had day they had daily intercourse oh, and they you spoke French. Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Thanks for being on a show. You want to drop off now, Ben? <laughs> The last major French-language newspaper, New Orleans, La Baie de Nouvelle-Orleans, uh, ceased publication on December 27th, 1923, after 96 years. That's like an opposite nice. Not nice. Not nice. Not nice. It was a good run, though. More rural areas, people continue to speak Louisiana French or Louisiana Creole. And that makes sense. I mean, like, rural areas tend to get really ingrained in their, like, linguistic specificities, like the weird shit that their culture does. Um, I would like to mention here real quick these, these names. Um, there, it says there's Zydeco clubs that were started in Houston, like the famous, like the famed Silver Slipper that was named, owned by a Creole named Alfred Cormier, but it hosted the likes of Clifton Shenny and Boozoo Chavez. <laughs> Boozoo Chavez. Boozoo Chavez. And I wish that was a link, but Boozoo Chavez. Uh. <laughs> He's playing really hot music. All right, what what instrument does Buzu Chave play? What, what instrument doesn't he play? <laughs> the trumpet. All right, what's this? What's his main instrument, Ben? Come I mean, on. he's he's got the foie the foie the sure. foie for sure. <laughs> he's got the yeah. foie for sure. Um, he's definitely got some drum pedals on his feet, and I think he's probably scatting a lot. <laughs> I can accept that. Rest in peace. Uh, I looked him up real quickly. He did actually die about 18 years ago. So rest in peace, Buzu Chavez. <laughs> this episode is dedicated to the memory of Buzu Chavez. <laughs> New Orleans Mardi Gras. Uh-oh. The New Orleans carnival season, with roots in preparing for the start of the Christian season of Lent, starts after Twelfth Night on Epiphany, January 6th. It is a season of parades, balls, some of the masquerade balls, and king cake parties. What the fuck is king, a king, king cake, cake party? Is a link. It's uh, a king cake. cake is it's a it's a cake that has a little baby Jesus in it. Are you? Yep. You're. Ser- I'm serious. You're right. I'm serious. Holy shit! I'm hovering over it, and there's like the picture looks disgusting. Oh, it, it's an it's an awful cake. It looks like a giant donut that somebody baked into another donut, and then threw multiple handfuls of glitter onto it's and green. buried a tiny it's yellow. cross. It's purple. It's all the Mardi Gras colors you expect. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little plastic baby Jesus in the middle. <sighs> if you chip your tooth, you get to make a wish. <laughs> Is the wish that your tooth comes back? Every single one wishes for their tooth back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. To Norley... To New... Lo- I, I'm trying to figure out how to say... Norlinians, that's how it is. Norlinians. 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 Mardi Gras specifically refers to the Tuesday before Lent, the highlight of the season. The term can also be used less specifically for the whole carnival season, sometimes as the Mardi Gras season. So the so Mardi Gras can refer to the whole carnival season. So the Mardi Gras season is the carnival season season. Uh, so many seasons. And then after this, there's like really there's specific Creole locations that are like important, like culturally. So many names. See also, there's too many names. So many names. Under Evangeline Parish Creoles, 
Many colonial French, Swiss German, Austrian, and Spanish Creole surnames still remain among prominent and common families alike in Evangeline Parish. Some later Irish and Italian names also appear. Surnames such as Ardouin, Alguer, Modon, Bordelon, Brignan, Brunet, Bouillère, also Bueller, Quatrois, Chapman, Corrier, Darbon, Dabayon, David. It just keeps going. Yeah, they've been. They do that multiple times in this article, where they're just like, "Yeah, we're just gonna list off like fifty different names for no goddamn reason." It's unnecessary. Yeah, and like none of them are that funny. Like they're all good, but none of them are funny. They're they're all like a four out of ten. They're fine, not great. Yeah. All right. So where are we gonna go from here? I think we have time for one more article. Yeah, we got time for one more. Um. You got King Cake. Good guy. Could check out some uh, King Cake. Oh, I think King Cake is probably where we need to go. Oh god. Unless you just want to click on shrimp or chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, shrimp or chicken? Is that like a single link? Shrimp or chicken is oh. not a single page. No, I'm okay. saying there's a page for <laughs> yeah. shrimp. There's a page for shrimp. I thought you were saying that was that was a single link, and I'm like, if shrimp or I chicken wish. is a single link, I'm definitely clicking on that. Alright, let's do king cake. Oh, why is this so lengthy? It shouldn't be this lengthy. This is too much! Oh, it's a lot of pictures, that's why. There's a lot of pictures near the end. A lot of pictures and just, like, regional things, so. Similar disses. Conversation tart? <laughs> so, it started 300 years ago. Jesus. Uh, That's one old-ass bread. Yeah, and they must have been putting wood in, uh, wooden Jesuses in there. They probably were not putting plastic Jesuses into this 300-year-old <laughs> donut, no. Right, so I assume they were probably rocks or wood. <laughs> Just throw some rocks in there, no big deal. This one kind of looks like Jesus. Throw it in. Here's your galletta wa. There's some rocks in there. Could be filled with almond, apple, chocolate, slash pear. Uh, and the small figurine is called a fiv. That's that's a weird list. Almond or apple or chocolate slash pear? Well, if you have chocolate, you have to have pear and vice versa. I, I want you to prove that legally. <laughs> Uh, you got me. The person who gets the piece of cake with the feb has various privileges and obligations. What? <laughs> no! And one of the sources on that is a link to an article uh, the, by Eliza Barclay. Is that a plastic baby Jesus in my cake? <laughs> From NPR. <laughs> From NPR. In 2012. Uh, yes, it is a plastic baby Jesus in your cake. And now you get a wish. And the wish is for your teeth back. Yes. So, you know, I've never had one of these. Have you me guys had either. One of these? I, I've had no. a handful of them. Uh, I've never, I've never had the privilege of getting the baby Jesus, but I have had the three hundred year old donut. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Some organizations or groups of friends may have had king cake parties every week. No. And in Portugal or France, whoever gets the trinket is expected to buy the next cake. <laughs> So it's kind of like a weird white elephant thing, but for shitty, like, holiday cake. Well, us white people know how to have fun, right? Everyone points and laughs. Ah, you get to buy the next cake. See you in a week. It is a popular food item during the Christmas season in Belgium, France, Quebec, Switzerland, Portugal, Spain, and Latin America. 
Greece and Cyprus and Bulgaria. That is too many places to be eating this fucking cake with plastic Jesus. It is a mouthful, and <laughs> baby Jesus is in the middle of that mouthful. Uh, I could hear you excited to make the joke. You want to know the best part about all this? Is that those little plastic baby Jesus most likely made in China. Oh, yeah. Oh, certainly. China's making a killing off of our king cakes. Related culinary traditions are the Tortel of Catalonia, the Gato de Roi or the Rayom in Provence, or the Galette de Roi of the northern half of France. The Galette de Roi is made with a puff pastry and frappuccino, while Gate de Roi is made with brioche and candied fruits. A little bean was traditionally hidden in it. So that's the thing where they had plastic Jesus was a fucking bean. (laughs) And the one who stumbled upon the bean was called King of the Feast. King of the Bean. (laughs) Oh, God. In 1870, they put in porcelain. That's what I'm saying. Oh, God. Holy shit. That's terrible. Ow. That's... That sounds dangerous. Like, you're, you are deathless, so plastic, if it's shitty enough, you might break the plastic and, like, cut your gums on the broken piece. Porcelain is absolutely going to defeat your your teeth every time. Yeah, I'm just, you just bite into this, this random cake and you just bite into something hard and you go, is it a bean? Just uncooked oats. Jesus, may I have some oats? <laughs> Yeah, who the, whose idea was to put porcelain in there? I can only imagine. The only thing I can think of is back, like way back in the day when they used beans. Some some assholes out there were too dense to realize they had the bean and just swallowed the thing whole. So they got sure. to the end of the cake and they're like, "Where's the bean? Oh, who's gonna buy the next one? Who's gonna buy the next one with porcelain? You fucking know if you bite into it or if you swallow it whole, you know." Yeah. One person is bleeding from the mouth and everyone else is laughing. That's how I love to spend my holidays. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, see you next week. See you next week where we'll do this again. <laughs> so in New Orleans, the dessert's significance to the city was evident in the first Mardi Gras season after Hurricane Katrina. People placed thousands of king cake orders to bakeries as displaced New Orleans craved connection with tradition and wanted to share their carnival culture. Sorry, Carnival culture. So, like, I know that a lot of people who were displaced from Katrina ended up going into, like, eastern Texas and even, like, central Texas. Could you imagine how fucking confused those bakers must have been? Yeah, can you make me a cake and uh, just fucking just, uh, you know, shove baby Jesus in there? Well, if there's one thing that I know about us as a species, it's our priorities are always great. (laughs) (laughs) Always top-notch priorities. Like, yeah, my home is gone. I still don't know where my dog is. Yo, can I get a cake with a bean in it? I need that fucking bean, baby Jesus cake, guys. So, down lower, uh, you mentioned before all the uh, fucking just vomit of color on the cake. Well, there's a reason for that. Oh, boy. So, the colors of the colors of the king cake originally came from the Christian religion. The purple symbolizes justice. The green symbolizes faith. And the gold symbolizes power. And these three colors honor the three kings who visited the Christ child. Okay, that makes sense. It's still bullshit, but it makes sense. It's still bullshit and ugly as fuck, but, you know. Uh, Also, Tyler, you missed the section under Norlands 
the New Orleans Pelicans introduced the King Cake Baby as a second mascot during games around Mardi Gras. Oh, God, no. (laughs) To accompany their main mascot, Pelican Pierre. (laughs) These are awful. This sentence is so bad. (laughs) The freaking cake guy. The, The King Cake picture. There's a little picture of it, too. It's a really shitty, featureless, plastic King Cake Jesus so is that's not what the, could you imagine if that was the mascot though like just a giant pink featureless giant. like a smooth baby man running around <laughs> okay. he like expresses no emotion doesn't say anything but he just comes up to you and demands you bite him like that is like a silent hill creature that looking is at it it's more horrifying. Closely. come Ooh. to me i am the king Bite me and experience prosperity. I do really like the sculpture um, <laughs> that I just sent a picture to <laughs> the chat. The <laughs> sculpture in Spain. I really like that sculpture. And it just looks like a shitty fruitcake. And he's got a bean for a dick, if you look. Oh, he God. does have a bean for a dick. He's got a bean dick. <laughs> so it's got the cake. It's got the old tradition of the bean. It's got everything you need. He's holding a gift in his left hand. And his right hand is just doing, like, the two-finger swearing-in gesture. It's not even a peace sign, because <laughs> two fingers are together. Like, he's being oh, yeah. sworn in. I just thought his fingers were so fat that, like, he tried to spread them apart, <laughs> and he couldn't. That's as far as he could get. And he's got really creepy wide eyes, too. Always looking at you. Nothing gets past him. How fucked up would it be if you put king cake babies into just random other food? I'm going to start uh, doing that pretty, to you, Steve. Pretty fucked up. No! Do it to your own family at Every Thanksgiving. Every time I come over, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shove some baby Jesuses randomly through. Oh my your god, house. It'll, be, it'll be like when Ellie hid all the pictures of Robert De Niro around my apartment. Oh god. I found one like three months after she moved out. <laughs> oh god, that's, that's disturbing. Did, uh, did we mention here that the... Um... The New Orleans Zephyrs changed their name to the New Orleans Baby Cakes in 2017. No. Oh, no. It was a minor league baseball team. Now up, batting for the New Orleans Baby Cakes. What the fuck is this idiot? It's Dwight (laughs) Rortugal. Minor league baseball, get it together. The women's uh, football alliance is really <laughs> putting you to shame. Oh, it's absolutely crushing them in naming. Like, absolutely crushing. Like, they, they, there's no competition here. I love under, like, there's a section specifically for trinket. Today, the baby symbolizes luck and prosperity to whoever finds it in their slice of cake. That person is also responsible for purchasing next year's cake. That is not luck. Or That's... for throwing the next Mardi Gras party. That sucks! If you don't want to do that, that sucks ass! But, uh, in some traditions, the finder of the baby is designated king or queen for the evening. So, Casey, that'd be fine. Like, you find the baby and it fucks up your piece of cake. You're like, you know what? I'm king for tonight. We're watching six episodes of Family Guy, because I'm the king. Fuck all you. This last paragraph. As beans and porcelain figures became replaced with plastic babies, many bakers have recently been placing the baby outside the cake and leaving the hiding the customer because there is a potential of customers choking on or swallowing the baby. Uh, fair. Totally fair. Yeah. I don't want to eat that fucking thing. 
It's like, here you go. You, I will give you the ingredients you need to choke to death, but I'm not going to put them together. That's for you to. That's yeah. for you to do. And if you look at the main image for this page, you can see it. Like it's a big ass cake, and that baby's pretty small. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's super easy to accidentally like swallow. All right, so I think that's about it for this episode. That was uh that was an interesting journey. Yeah, th- that definitely took a turn. We started in a a horrifying plane crash and ended on a shitty cake with plastic, plastic in baby it. Jesuses. G- plastic Jesus? baby Jesus cake. Jesus? Jesses? Juice? What's What's the plural of Jesus? Uh uh, there Jesus? is only one Jesus, and so multiple Jesuses cannot exist. Oh, I just right. said that there is multiple, but I, I was wrong. It's just always Jesus. Well, I'm glad you corrected that for us. Thank you, Ben. Uh, well, thank you again, for Ben, for joining us, since uh, Eric was too fat and lazy to join us. The usual. Of course. That'll uh, that'll do it for us. So, uh, so hopefully uh, we will try to get this out a little bit quicker this time. Uh Obviously, Listen, we were a little just, delayed last time, so... Just because it took me five months to finally have a day to sit down and master it doesn't mean this one's going to take five months. We'll we'll see about that. Like I said, I promise I will master this in September, and that is as specific <laughs> as I'm willing to get. On that note, goodbye! Bye, everyone! Bye.